probably never really thought much about knowing God's will. But I kept listening to these questions. I would go to the conferences and I would hear the speakers and I didn't hear anything that really gave me any insight into knowing God's will. So I went out and I bought several books on knowing God's will and none of them helped me either. But finally, as a last resort, I turned to scripture. And I'd like to share just a few of them with you that helped open up my eyes to God's will. In your bulletin, I've got some quotes in here from Acts. Please follow along as I read Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. And this is the beginning of Paul's first missionary journey. That while they were worshiping, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now when I gave these scriptures to Ben, I really wasn't sure what direction this talk was going to take. So in uh, the next set of scriptures, I'm only going to read the first verse, verse 36. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 36, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we have proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. This was the beginning of his second missionary journey. And then on his journey in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, it says, And Paul and Silas went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Let's pray briefly. Father in heaven, we thank you for your scriptures, for all of your scriptures. We thank you for those that encourage us, and we thank you for those that challenge us, and we thank you for those that make us think. May your word do that to us this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Paul's first missionary journey, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 12, the Holy Spirit definitely called Paul to start making missionary journeys. There was no prayer about it. There was no thought about it. There was no, no big decision. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to go. No big decision there. If God tells you to do something, do it. Now, he doesn't normally speak to us that way uh, today, but he does sometimes yank our chain a little bit. And when he yanks your chain, react and go. They were busy doing the Lord's work when he called them. Now, this example of special revelation, as I said, is not the normal example. But I want you to know that they were not seeking God's will. God intervened in their lives to change the course of their lives. God expressed his will through direct intervention, and sometimes he does that. Special revelation came when, when God wanted them to do something different than what they were doing. Sometimes you might be on a particular course, you're very happy, you're very satisfied, everything is going great. If God wants you to do something different, you'll know it. 
on this second missionary journey in Acts 15 and verse 30 says, Paul and Barnabas just made a decision to go. They said, let's go. Let's go back to the churches where we have been. Let us visit with those people and let us see how they are doing. No prayer, no big decision, no seeking God's will. But they were missionaries. And what do missionaries do? They go see people. They did what they did in the normal, routine course of their affairs. No searching for God's will, no praying. Now, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 7, this is a little bit different because they wanted to do something and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. They weren't searching for His will. They weren't praying for His will. They knew where they wanted to go. They were trying to go there. We don't know what happened. But the Holy Spirit absolutely stopped them from going there, forbid them to go, and they couldn't do it. So sometimes we're going about what might normally seem our normal activities, and if God doesn't want you to do it, he will let you know. Like, I didn't have to pray this afternoon and ask God his will as to whether or not I should come here tonight. Anacol said, Ben has laryngitis. He can't talk. Will you fill in for him? I can't fill in for Ben. I've heard him preaching before. He's pretty good. But if he can't talk, I can do a better job than he can. Unless he's doing the hand signs. So I didn't have to pray about it. Anna said, can you do it? And I said, yes. Now that didn't mean capable, but yes, I can come in. And yes, I can fill in. I didn't search out God's will at all. I didn't pray about it. I didn't have time. Okay? I felt a little bit of pressure here. I thought probably a pretty good group of uh, uh, people. So they learned God's will through a direct intervention. God let them uh, only go in one direction. If God doesn't want you to do something, he'll shut the door. Believe me. Because sometimes... You are doing what you always do. You're good at it. You're pursuing something. And all of a sudden, God says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go in a different direction. He will absolutely let you know. I love that Boston hat, by the way. You know, that the Fenway pop. I've seen him play. So when somebody says, I'm praying that I will discover God's will for my life, or if I can only find God's will, they must believe that God doesn't want them to find it, otherwise it wouldn't be so difficult. When I was listening to all the teaching on God's will, the only thing that was building up in my mind was it must be hard to know God's will because I've been listening to lectures on it for several years in a row, and nobody has told me how to do it yet. How difficult do you think God makes it to know his will. Does he have a will for your life and he hides it from you and he makes you lose sleep over trying to figure out what it is? If you believe that God loves you enough to send his son to die for you, if he loves you enough to reveal himself to you, and then you believe that he would hide his will from you, is that logical? Is it logical that God would do all of these things? We can see God in nature. We can see him in scripture. 
We've got Christian teaching and music all around us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be aware of his being. Would a God who goes through all of these things have a wonderful plan for your life and then hide it from you? And make you work for years to try to figure out what it is. So since we make God's will a tough term to define, I want to look now at how the Bible refers to God's will, and I think it'll make it easier for us to understand it. Scripture often uses uh, it in reference of God's will to God's eternal plan and decree. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35 says, speaking about God, he does his he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. He does his will in heaven and he does his will on earth. Here his will is described and it's him doing as he pleases. Sometimes it speaks of the will of God referring to his unchangeable eternal counsel. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 11 says he has made known to us the mystery of his will. He's made known that. He's made it known to us according to his good pleasure. He works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. Here, God's will is described as something that he works out among us. It also describes God's desire or consent, what he wants or what is favorable to him. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 10, speaking of Israel, it says it was not his, uh, Moses was speaking to Israel, it was not his will to destroy you, so he didn't. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10, it says, It was the Lord's will for Christ to suffer for us. So Christ suffered for us. That was God's will. It had nothing to do with us. He exercises his will as he decides to do it. Jesus prayed in the garden to his father. He says, Not as I will, but as you well, he had turned himself over completely to his father. His will probably would be not to suffer. But he didn't want his will. He wanted his father's will to be done, and it was done. God's will is that which brings him pleasure. Spiritual growth is you living a life that is pleasing to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to do his will? Give him thanks for everything. If you do that, you will be performing his will. You don't have to worry about it. There's other examples, but by the way, by the way we normally use the expression of seeking out his will it's only, it's only exercised one time in Scripture. In, Apost in uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 24, after Judas had betrayed Jesus and died, the apostles wanted to pick a, another uh, apostle to replace Jesus. 
That's the only place in Scripture, and you'll probably find a place to find me wrong, but anyway, right now I'm convinced that's the only place in Scripture that where somebody wanted to make a decision and they asked God to make the decision. There was two people and they couldn't choose between the two, so they set up a little test and wanted God to make the choice. They chose uh, Matthias, and we never hear of him again. So we don't know if that was wise or not. We don't even know if they were supposed to pick another one or not. But there, they left the decision up to God, and we didn't hear any more about that. They didn't know what to do, so they asked God to make a decision. And Luke records that without any explanation or comment whatsoever. You see, some tried to make decisions after receiving special signs from God. If you need a special sign from God to make a decision that shows a certain level of immaturity, it's uh, uh, when one can't accept the truth as it's presented and you need something extra that's not good. Now, one time when I was first converted, and uh, I'll never do this again, uh, but I did it, and God uh, got me out of hot water. But I hadn't been a Christian very long, and I was always hearing about somebody giving everything they had to the Lord, and then they were just blessed tremendously after that. Well, I got out of the Navy, and I'd gone into business, and borrowed a lot of money, and I didn't have any money in the checking account, didn't have any money in the savings account. I had a few dollars in my wallet. I was in church, and I thought... You know, I've always heard about people giving all they have and being blessed. I'm going to try it to see what happens. Don't do it. <laughs> I did. And I really did. I just emptied up my wallet and that was it. When the mail came the next day, somebody had owed me money from a long time ago and they sent it to me and I had a lot of money. Now, God rescued me in my foolishness. I would never try to test, test God. I would never try to tempt God. I did the one time, and he said, you're a little bit foolish, girl, but I'll take care of you. But he sort of told me, don't do it again. <laughs> Next time, you might have a flat tire on the way home and really be in trouble. Yeah. But, so, you know, he, he allowed uh, for some of these things uh, to take place. The New Testament gives no explicit command to find or to seek God's will or any particular instructions on how to find God's will. There's nothing in there that tells you how to do it or when to do it or what the circumstances are. There's nothing. And we occupy an awful lot of our time seeking God's will when what we... Uh, should do maybe very, very plain in front of us. Let me give you a couple more examples of God's will, and it might help with this a little bit. In Amos chapter 20, and verse, I mean, Acts chapter 8, and verse 26, it says, an angel suddenly spoke to Philip. Philip was not seeking God's will. Don't assume he was praying about anything. Don't assume any of these things. God wanted Philip to do something, so he sent an angel to Philip, and the angel spoke to Philip. Right out of the clear blue sky. If he was seeking the Lord's will, it doesn't say so. So we shouldn't assume that. In Acts chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, 
Peter was fixing something to eat. He was hungry. It's probably the only thing that was on his mind. And what happened? He went into a trance. And he saw heaven open. And then we know all that goes on after that. But I'm not concerned with what went on after that. God had a message for Philip. He was fixing something to eat. He went into trance and in the vision he saw the sheep coming down from heaven. He wasn't praying about sheep coming down from heaven. He wasn't praying for a message from God. He was hungry and getting something to eat. God wanted something from Philip. God went to Philip and gave him that vision. And then Philip reacted accordingly. So Paul, Philip, and Peter all received special uh, revelations from God without their doing anything to specifically find it, nor were they searching for what we call God's will. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God for it. Want to ask God for something? Do what James says. Ask for wisdom. Right? Pray continually for wisdom. That's something worth asking for. And <clears throat> James is talking about establishing a lifestyle of gaining wisdom all the time. And it's got nothing to do with seeking God's will. In James chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 17, James defines the wisdom that he's talking about in verse 5. He says, wisdom is a way of life that is revealed by your character. We're going to deal with character just a little bit. Wisdom is a way of life that's shown through, is revealed by your character. If you want to be in God's will, and I hope you all do, listen to his word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, and it says, avoid sexual immorality. If you want his will, avoid sexual immorality. So if you ever pray for his will, and you're not doing what he calls you to do in his will, I wouldn't pray for it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, he says, understand what the will of God is, and do not uh, get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You want to know what the will of God is? I'll tell you what the will of God is. Avoid sexual immorality and avoid getting drunk with wine. So if you want to pray for his will about who you should marry and then not follow what his will is, there's a little bit of hypocrisy there. If you're not doing what the Bible says to do is his will, don't pray for it. You already know. You've already made up your mind what you're going to do with that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, says that a, a, a person who is in God's will is trying to be holy, wise, mature, faithful, prayerful, and submissive. It describes a person who is close to God's heart. If you're doing these things, you are in his will. Scripture says over and over, it describes 
the, the moral, the character of people who are in his will. But if you're not abiding by the scripture and describing who is in his will, don't go for him for his will. It doesn't make sense. It makes a, a, a hypocrite out of us. Paul describes God's will in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses. It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The first two uh, verses of Romans describe what the will of God already is stated for his people. If you're not in conformity, as I said, if you're not, if you're not in conformity with that and you're praying for God's will, you've ignored his word about his will. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, God intervenes directly. And just to sum this up, in a vision to Paul in the night, a man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul had this vision in the night of a man saying, Come and help us. What do you think God's will was in that case? Huh? Go help him, yes. <laughs> if God comes to you in a vision, and this guy is asking you to do something, and God has given you the vision, you best be doing it. Now, I'm not against prayer, okay? I'm certainly not against prayer. But if Paul prayed, probably it was for a speedy journey. Get me there quick. Let me help this man when I get there. Not, should I go? You spend three days seeking God's will as to whether or not you should go, the guy probably be dead, or find someone willing to help him, one or the other, you know. His will is obvious. It's all through Scripture. We really don't have to search for it. One time, when I was in seminary, I was, I was teaching at night in a, in a business college, and uh, one of my students, she was about 18, uh, she had two people that, that wanted to marry her. And she said, you know, you're a minister. I wasn't a minister, I was a seminary. But anyway, she called me a minister. Can you tell me what God's will is? I said, probably not. I can't speak for God. What's your problem? Well, she had two boyfriends. One was her age. Just wasted. I mean, he was worthless. No education, no job. Drank way, way too much. Was never going to mount anything. And I told her, and about the other guy? He was the age of her grandfather. So I said, well, I, I can't give you God's will, but I'd be awfully surprised if God wanted you to marry that guy either. <laughs> you see, she was earnest. You know, she was seeking God's will, and she had this big decision. Well, you know, I couldn't go to any particular scriptures, but I thought they were both, you know, rather misfits. And I told her so. Somewhere <laughs> You can't beat around the bush, you know. <laughs> Paul 
So he and Silas responded to the call from the man from Macedonia. Let me tell you, just to wrap this up, your lifestyle and the direction that you are going in tells you whether or not you are in God's will. It doesn't take very long to figure it out. If you would describe your lifestyle to me, honestly, in five minutes, I can tell you whether or not you're in God's will, to be honest with you. You won't have to search for it very long at all. And I'll, I'll be straightforward with you. You'll know whether or not you're in God's will. Are you, as Paul said, trying to be holy, wise, mature, faithful, prayerful, and submissive to God? Remember, every reference to God's will in Scripture that doesn't concern Him acting out His will, or a reference to God's will in general, every reference relates to your personal lifestyle. It's not, are you going to buy this house or that house? How are you acting while you're looking at the two houses? My wife and I, we moved here uh, a year ago last July. We looked at several different houses. I did not ask God for His will as to which house I would buy. Guess what I bought? I could afford it, and this is the one I wanted. <laughs> Suppose I asked for some silly sign, and something happened. I interpreted that as a sign. I bought a house I didn't want, saying it's God's will. I'd be miserable. But we picked out the house that we wanted. But we were also living a lifestyle that would be pleasing to God. Not totally, completely, but you know, for the most part, you know. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for every single one of us that you brought here this morning. Father, we're certainly here in your will because you are the one that desired us to be here and you opened all the doors that brought us in here and if we were heading somewhere else, you would have obviously closed that door. So, Father, we can have certain comfort that we are here in your will this evening. Father, let us constantly seek out your will by doing those things that we are taught to do within Scripture. And we can relax and we can sleep well at night. We can enjoy our lives because we know that we're doing Yahweh. We pray this in Jesus' name.